بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم ویری امپورٹنٹ پارٹ ناؤ وی آر ایکچولی بیسکلی اسٹارٹنگ دی تجوید اسٹارٹنگ دا I started learning the factors of Tajweed, important uh, components of Tajweed, the details. We're moving into that part. So it's important for you all to, inshallah, attend the classes regularly. I don't want you to miss any of the future classes. It's very important. Because everything we are going to learn, we have to apply in our recitation. Inshallah, and try our best to beautify our recitation. Right? So components of Tajweed. In this book, the Tajweed subject matter is divided into three components to make it easier for us to study and understand the material. Each component is a major focus area of the Tajweed. As the Venn diagram you see below indicates, uh, the three components of Tajweed overlap. The diagram indicates that in order to achieve the best recitation, we will need to apply the knowledge of all three components in combination with each other. If we leave out one of these components during recitation, then it will be incorrect. The combined effect of all the components of the read on recitation is amazing. With practice, our recitation will be very beautiful, inshallah. And that's true, that has happened. Um, when I was studying the Jweed and I was practicing, my recitation was better than what it is today because, you know, I'm not regularly practicing anymore. So it really, really, it's really, really important for us to practice and be mindful of recitation. So now when you're going to recite the Quran, you, you, you know, in like, you, you need to have a photographic memory of all the rules you are going to be learning and you need to see all those rules in the script. You'll start seeing that. If you're practicing, if you are focused in the classes and learning the rules, you will start seeing all those rules in the, in the text, in the Quran, in the script. And it's, it's a beautiful, it, it's beautiful realization. It's amazing to, to see that, to be able to see all of that. Um, and, Once you know the rules, it does not matter which script you have on hand. If you have the Osmanic Mushaf or if you have the Indo-Pak style, you don't need any specific harakat to tell you uh, what rules apply here. You only need practice. You will see the letters. You will see, okay, if it's confusing, that uh, why is there a haraka here? Why is there missing a haraka missing or something like that? There are... Because different texts and different scripts have diff, uh, a, a little bit different uh, in uh, harakas and all. Uh, some, some scripts have all the rules mentioned and some don't. So once you know the rules, you don't need any of that. You just can do it on your own so well, inshallah. So the first is the tifat, starting from the right, characteristics of letters. We are going to learn the characteristics of each letter. And then we are going to learn the ikam, the rules of tajweed, the rules of the letters, rules of lengthening, rules of huruf muqatta'at, and rules of stopping. So we're going to learn all these rules. And then the third is points of articulation, 
where exactly the letter is coming from in your mouth and throat. In Arabic text, you need to use your mouth and your throat for the correct pronunciation of each letter. So we are going to learn all of that, inshallah. It may sound a lot, but you know, if we we're gonna take it step by step and it's going to be become simple, inshallah. So component one is point of articulation articulation. All Arabic letters are pronounced from specific places using certain parts of the mouth and throat. Generally, when we're speaking English, I want you to notice from now on. When you're speaking English, you're just using your mouth. You're not going in your throat much. I don't think we even do at all. So you are just using your mouth and your lips. But in Arabic, you have to use your mouth and throat for different letters. So these places are called points of articulation, which in Arabic are called makharij. Okay, the description of the points of articulation will tell us exactly from where each letter must be pronounced. Each letter has one exact place from which it emerges. In Arabic, the point of articulation is called makharij. The plural, makharij. Um, makharij is the singular and the plural of it is makharij meaning points of articulation of the letters. And we're until uh, in unit 2, chapter 4, presents the point of articulation. Okay, component number 2, characteristics of the letters, and that's called sifat, sifat characteristics, the qualities. Each Arabic letter has a set of characteristics. These characteristics are like the personality trait of an individual. For example, I'm just going to give an example. Like, for example, if when you say seen, there needs to be a little bit air coming out of your mouth. Suh, suh. And if that air is not coming out, you're not saying seen correct. So we're going to learn all of that. Like if you're, and you can check yourself. That's how you will be checking uh, yourself. How, if I'm saying a letter correct or not. By learning the sifat of those letters. So in pronouncing the Arabic letters, we must be mindful of the characteristics or special ways in which the letters need to be sounded out along with pronouncing the letters from their exact point of articulation. The characteristics of the letters are called sifat in Arabic. Sifat are presented in Unit 3 of this book. So once you know uh, where exactly the letter is coming out from, you're going to practice that and you're you learn the sifat of those letters then you can check yourself and inshallah you will in no time with limited practice you will be saying the letters correct inshallah and you know you probably are aware of like some letters are heavy some are light some some are quick some will take time all of these are different characteristics of different letters component number three rules of recitation with tajweed the rules of recitation with tajweed are discussed under four separate titles the rules of recitation of the letters and number two the rules of lengthening long vowel sound like one count two count three counts recitation of huruf muqattaat huruf muqattaat are the letters which are in the beginning of the surahs you know alif lam mim those letters are huruf, huruf muqattaat and number four is the rules of stopping recitation so we'll, we'll know how how to stop where to stop that's what we're gonna learn inshallah
okay? The rules of letters. Various rules need to be followed in the recitation of the Qur'an with Tajweed. These rules are, number one, rules that are the result of the sequence of letters such as Idhar, Idgham, Ikhfa, and Iqlab. These are four different rules which are applied uh, because of a certain letter is, uh, you know, any letters followed by a certain letter. That is like any letters followed by noon make a uh, different rule here. And we'll learn that in detail. Uh, the rules of, number two, the rules of Hamzatul Qata and Hamzatul Wasl. There is a Hamza, yani Alif, with a Hamza on it, uh, which we read and there is another Hamza which we can skip or we do skip, okay? So we're going to learn the difference between that. Number three, the rules of recitation, reciting the single letter that appears at the beginning of some surah, so we're going to learn that rule also. We just talked about like the letters Alif, Lam, Mim and different letters like those. As we can see from the description above, a, ver a varied number of topics need to be examined under the umbrella of topic rules of the letters. These topics are discussed in different chapters and in different units of the book. Okay. Rules of lengthening long vowel. Madud. So lengthening a vowel. Vowel is alif, wow, and yeah. So lengthening, you are probably familiar with the word mud. And when there is a mud on a letter, we stretch it. We stretch it to four to six counts. Those, those are the basic uh, lengthening, uh, lengthening timings. And we will learn how to and where and how much. The rules of lengthening long vowel sounds discuss how long we should stretch a long vowel sound depending on the situation of a long vowel with regard to particular letters in harakat, sukun, or shadda on the letter that follows a long vowel. The amount of lengthening of the word vowel sound varies. So it varies for different reasons and we're going to learn what, okay? So just like I was telling you about um, some scripts will have muds written on them and some won't. But if you know the rule, you will know that any time something is followed by Hamza, you stretch it. That's a rule. So you, have, you know a rule and you apply it whether there is a mud there or not. Okay, so that's the fun part. That's, that's really cool. Many different types of lengthening are applicable due to the various situations in which the long vowel letters appear. After studying this chapter on lengthening long vowel sounds, we will know the reason we lengthen the sound and how long to lengthen the sound. We will never have to guess how long to pause on a long vowel or recite just by listening. However, once we know the rules of lengthening practicing, uh, by listening to a good qari is always a great idea. So, of course, um, there is a f some muds are you should read four counts and some you should, you have to read six counts. And some you can shorter for some reason, you know, and we're going to learn all of that, inshallah. 
Rules of recitation of Haruf Muqatta'at. Haruf Muqatta'at are the single letters that appear in the beginning of some of the surahs. In the Quran, a single letter appears either by itself or as one of the letters in a group of single letters. These individual letters are read as spelled out words and that is where the there that is where the rules of the sequence of letters and the rules of mudud comes into play with knowledge of these topics we will be able to recite the huruf al muqattiat according uh, accurately inshallah meaning alif lam mim you don't just say alif lam mim you have to say alif lam mim so there is a connection going on there. Lam, we stretch. And the end of the sound of the lam is ma sound, which is merging with the meme, which is the final meme. So it is going to give um, a hum, it's going to make a humming sound. So we are going to learn the, uh, the details of that. We just don't say quickly, alif, lam, mim. That's not how it's read. Okay. We, we will understand in more detail how it's supposed to be read. Rules of stopping recitation. The rules of stopping recitation discuss stopping temporarily or halting recitation until a, until a later time. There are three basic categories of stopping or halting recitation. Stopping can be, number one, on the last letter at the end of an ayah. That's the most common type of stopping. Number two, on the last letter of a word at any place to catch a breath. And you remember we learned that if we are breaking or pausing uh, because we need to catch our breath, then we go back a letter, a word or two to continue the recitation, to resume it. Number three is following the symbols of stopping presented in the Quran. There are different places, different signs in the Quran that are placed in different places. And we learn where you can stop, where you cannot stop, where you should not stop. You know, if you remember the lam alif sound, uh, lam alif written between the ayat. In the middle of an ayah, if you see lam alif, you should not be stopping there. Okay. And um, then there are different places where you can stop. There are places when you should stop. There is like meme. Meme is a waqf. And that is a must place to stop. You have to stop there. Okay? So we're going to learn all of that in detail, inshallah, different signs and what they mean. By Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's grace, when we learn these different aspects of stopping, we will be able to stop meaningfully and without any error. Inshallah. So that's the end of chapter number three. Do we have any questions? No. Everything is very clear. Should I test you guys? <laughs> I'll take a pop quiz one of these days. Okay. Yeah, go ahead and ask your question. I'm not going to start chapter number four because it's very detailed and we're going to start in the next class, inshallah. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so people who are like deaf or near tower, are they going to read the Quran or are they already forgiven them? So they uh, can use the Braille Quran? 
they use that and they practice according to that inshallah and like we discussed in the last class that anybody with a, a disability which is out of their control is going to be judged accordingly you know by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so how much effort you can put and you are putting so it's it's going to be based on that by uh, from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so you know just we're doing we're all doing our best so for them there are braille Qur'ans inshallah yeah so they're read they're learning through the braille Okay, they're reading through that. Just how they, you know, just how they would learn to read anything else. Okay, any other book they learn to read and write. That's the same way they would learn to read the Quran also and understand it. There are things, there are resources available for them too. Yeah, make sense? Yeah. So, of course, they're, they're, um, they will be learning it in a different way, different from us, right? Yeah. Insha'Allah, I'll see you all next week. Subhanakallahumma, bihamdika nashhadu an la ilaha illa ant, nastaghfirka wa natubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu.